Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello and welcome back to American Tennis. And folks, we're officially now, I think, in year eight of the program, and I'm pretty excited to be able to do that. And and to keep rolling here, and I've told a friend recently, he's saying, what the heck are you doing? You know, that's a lot of work putting that all together and everything, but I said, daggone it, you know, you've got to be passionate about stuff and keep it rolling, and in tennis right now, we need, I don't want to say we need help, but we just need encouragement, and we need to remember why we play this great sport. It is the greatest of all sports. And today's program, uh, you're going to learn so much about why it's a great sport and and the and the great great uh, strength, character, initiative, passion, everything that was built by this sport into you know our guest today and and as he uh, we bring him on here, uh, Tim Siegel. It's it's wonderful to have you on the program. Um, I, are you, am I coming in okay there for you? Yes, I, I can hear you. Great, Tim. And, uh, folks, I, I want to read this just, uh, you know, what I've put down. I tried to put down a good heading for the program today for you, Tim, and, and, uh, all that you're doing. And, uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, I guess coach Tim Siegel, team Luke and hope for minds. Tim's a former professional tournament and a coaching great. Uh, Tim, the story, this is a story that all parents, players, teachers, and coaches need to know. It's not just a story of tragedy, but hope, faith, belief, perseverance, and all those things. And it, it includes the things that we as parents, as coaches, as just friends, as anything, never want to imagine or even would even have, even want to endure for sure endure or even want to imagine but you know you were a great tennis player you've been a great coach but this mission that you've been on and your undertaking with your family is uh as i read your book i i read it from start to finish in about 36 hours and i'm a slow reader tim <clears throat> but but 
but it uh it's it's an amazing story an amazing journey but i just wanted to say that this about you beside your accolades as a player you know i remember you as one of the top the top doubles player in the united states and juniors and um gosh i think in singles you got up as top as top five and you were top 100 in the pro tour and doubles and one of the greatest things you won the sportsmanship award for all of the junior tennis players in the United States, you know, when you were a youngster and then going into coaching Mm -hmm. profession, 23 years at Texas tech. And now you're still coaching, working with young people, but you know, that's just a lead in of what you've, what you've uh, been through. As I, I had this on my wall here. I just said, there are no helpless situations. Only men who remain, hopeless, non-believing, and, and and don't have faith, you know, about a challenge. But um, I brought you on today, and I know that so many people out there have uh, heard the story of, of, of what you've been through as a family, you know, and your son and everything. But uh, I want this to be your program. And folks, listen out there, everybody out there, Everybody listen to this program, please go to the websites, which we're going to be given several times today, and let's uh, see what we can do, because your fundraisers that you have had got shut down, right? Your your fundraisers and everything, so you've started a program uh, this month, Christmas in July, and you're, you're trying to, um, you know, duplicate or or maximize what you can do. Right, and that's correct. That's w- correct. Yeah. With all that, I I, well, I would like Tim. You you've got your own radio programs. Actually, Tuesday with Tim, and a sports talk show that you've done, and and so many things. But I want this to be your program today. And if you could start out by just um, however you want to lead in, and if you could just tell us the story in the next you know, 10 to 15 minutes, and then we'll we'll take it from there. And uh, what a great, great um, – how many people – yesterday, Tim, you sent out a, a um, text, I think, to most everybody. And I was reading it, and I – you know, I'm, I'm just – it's because of you and because of this great – this tragedy that you've had to endure – the impact, you kept using the word impact in your book, the impact that probably you and your son are having on thousands now instead of hundreds or, you know, less. But uh, if you can, can you tell us the story, and, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Coach, it's it's an honor to be on this program with you. I've always had so much respect for you, and, and of course, uh, uh, narrowed my choices down to Clemson and Arkansas back in the day. I I went to the University of Arkansas in the fall of 82. Um, but I, I loved the game of tennis. I loved playing. I loved competing. And I was coaching. And I was loving what I was doing at Texas Tech. I coached there 23 years. And, but I felt like what I, was, I was missing something. I felt like um, although I was making an impact on 10 players uh, a year and our teams were successful, I wanted to do something more. And so I made a decision in July 8th of 2015 to um, become a middle school and high school tennis coach, not the usual path 
after you leave college, but I felt like it was time for me to make a difference in a different way to young kids, uh, teach them about life. Um, but the other reason I decided to do that, and really the main reason, was because of my four amazing children. I have a, uh, a daughter, Alex, who now has uh, three children, and then I have a 17-year-old daughter named Kate, a 15-year-old daughter named Ellie, and then Luke is 14. But five years ago, on July 8, 2015, I decided to resign from Texas Tech so that I could spend more time with my family. No more recruiting, no more traveling. I wanted to be around my children. Specifically, I wanted to be around my little boy. Luke, uh, at age nine, was a dream come true in that he was very level-headed. He was a, a sweet, caring person who wanted to please but he also loved to compete and he loved to practice and he loved to do the things that made people happy. So on July 8th, I came up to Luke and I said, buddy, I'm going to resign from Texas Tech today, but that means you and I get to throw the football and the baseball every single day. 20 days later, I got a phone call that no father ever wants to hear. As a matter of fact, it was July 28th, which was yesterday. So yesterday was five years to the day. I received a phone call at 2 p.m. saying that Luke was in a golf cart accident. I didn't know how bad it was by the, by the sound of the individual on the, other, on the other line, but I quickly left where I was at the high school tennis courts giving a lesson. I raced over to the accident scene, and what is so amazing is on the way to the, to the accident, I felt this calm over me that everything was going to be okay. I'm not sure why I felt that, I'm not sure if it actually was real, but in my mind, I felt there was a calm. Everything was going to be okay. As soon as I arrived at the scene, the helicopter was hovering above. The ambulance was just taking off. I got out of my car, ran towards the ambulance, and the fireman told me, just get to the hospital as soon as you can. As soon as I arrived at the, ambul- at, at the uh, hospital, I was whisked away into a room with my wife. I looked over at the ER and I saw that there was a lot of commotion. So I wasn't sure what to expect because the person on the other line told me that Luke had broken his nose and that's all he told me. So the individual, the doctor told me that Luke had suffered head and chest trauma from a golf cart accident and that Luke was in cardiac arrest for seven minutes. So Luke was actually gone for us for seven minutes. For the next several minutes, I'm not sure how long, but I woke up with a gas mask, an oxygen mask on my face because all I remember is that there, that I felt tingling in my arms and my face and my legs, and I don't remember much else after that except for a nurse telling me to be strong. But the bottom line is for the next eight days, we did not know if Luke was going to make it. We knew that because Luke was in cardiac arrest for seven minutes, that he had suffered Uh, an anoxic brain injury, which meant that Luke lost oxygen for 25 minutes, is what we were told. At that time, the doctors told us that we didn't know if Luke was going to make it. We didn't know that Luke was brain dead. For the next eight days, as you can imagine, uh, my wife and I and family and so many friends uh, were at that waiting room wondering what we were going to do and what was going to happen. And it wasn't until day eight that the doctor told me, that, um, or I saw the monitors that Luke's brain uh, pressure numbers were not good. On that day, Luke had three consecutive brain surgeries 
and we did not know if Luke was going to make it following the third surgery. I went up to the doctor and I said, what do you think? He said, I don't know if, brain, if Luke is brain dead. All I can tell you is it's in God's hands. The following day, one of the doctors asked me if Luke liked music. I said, next to sports, Luke loves music. And so I, he asked if, I could, if he could play the ukulele. As soon as he began playing the ukulele, we saw brain activity on the monitor. And at that time, we realized that Luke was not brain dead. So 44 days we spent in Lubbock, multiple, multiple surgeries later. We were then transferred to Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, where Luke spent four months trying to do some rehab. But five days after we arrived is a day I'll never forget, September 10th, 2015. We were in a room, a little conference room with therapists, nurses, and the neurosurgeon. He was the last person to speak. He said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is Luke's brain. And he showed the iPad, which was covered in white, which meant Luke's entire brain was globally damaged. He said to us words they'll never forget. He said, Luke will never use his limbs, he'll never use his voice, and he should never open his eyes based on the MRI. As I sit here telling you this story, I feel chills on my body because I remember it like it was yesterday. My wife and I were then left in a room, crying, sobbing, couldn't believe what we heard, but somehow, some way, we had to get back on our feet and do what we could for Luke. The next four months were a bit of a blur. Um, Luke was able to do some things. He was able to use his limbs a little bit. His eyes were open. Occasionally, occasionally, he would make sounds. It wasn't until the week before Thanksgiving that we all heard a sound come out of Luke's mouth. The entire fourth floor of Cook Children's Hospital came running over to our room. Couldn't believe what they heard. Unfortunately, Luke wasn't making quite enough progress. So on January 6, 2016, five months after Luke's accident, we were sent back to Lubbock. For the next nine months, Luke had been in therapy at PT, OT, and speech, not doing much. The only communication was occasionally blinking his eye. Luke was not making any other sounds. There was no communication whatsoever. In August of 2015, 13 months after the accident, something really changed. I finally began to feel, um, I guess you could say, I started to feel comfortable in that Luke was going to make progress. I struggled so much. I spent 23 years on the campus of Texas Tech, but never stepped foot on that campus for the next 15 months because that was life before the accident. So I wasn't there yet. But what changed is I was asked to speak at the middle school where my my girls were going to school. And I thought all night long, what can I talk about that will impact my audience, but also that has affected me? And I came up with five inspirations from Luke. And I'll share those briefly with you because that really is what turned me around, what turned my life around. Number one is to find your passion. We all want to have passion. I was passionate about being a coach. I was passionate as a tennis player. But I had lost all my passion to live. And, and I began to regain some passion because in 2018, January of 2018, I began the Team Luke nonprofit. And our mission, our, our, our goal is to support children after brain injury. And I'll get into that as we move along in the program. But that was number one. I had a new mission, a new passion a new responsibility, and that was to help others. 
And so I share that mission with a lot of others to find your passion. The second is to don't ever quit. Uh, that applies to all of us all the time, certainly as a tennis coach, certainly as, as everyday life, uh, to not quit. And there are many moments when I wake up next to Luke, I'm not sure I can keep going, but I look at Luke and I know he's not quitting, and so therefore I will never quit. The third one is to lean on friends, parents, teachers, siblings. And I bring that up because for the first year, I leaned on no one. I couldn't get past the fact that my little superstar, my little athlete, my little boy was never going to be the same. And so I stress to others to, when things aren't going well, to lean on friends and family. Don't keep things inside. The second thing about that is that when you see, when you see people struggling to actually make a difference in their life, sometimes by simply saying, hey, how are you? And now I know I need people in my life. There's no way I can keep things inside, and I try my best to help others at the same time. The fourth is be careful, make good choices. That certainly applies to those that uh, are younger. Um, unfortunately, my son was on a golf cart at nine years old with a friend at the friend's house. I didn't know they owned the golf cart. I certainly didn't know Luke was on this golf court cart on that particular day. And so my message now is not just golf carts, but to be careful, make good choices. Because if you take things for granted, you never know what can happen. And in one split second, Luke's life, our life changed. And we're, li- we're dealing with that every single day. And the last one is to have faith. Without my faith, Coach, I couldn't, I couldn't speak in front of all of you. I couldn't speak in front of thousands and thousands every single day. Um, and, and I know my faith is tested every day. But I also know without my faith... There's, no, there's simply no way that I could get to where I am today. And so that really is kind of our story uh, leading up to where we are today. And so five years later, uh, we've gone through many different obstacles, many different setbacks. Luke just a month ago had a major surgery to correct a, his spine, and his spine was curved 115 degrees. Um, that, that surgery took place at Cook Children's Hospital where Luke is now resting comfortably and doing quite well. So I can tell you that Luke is making progress, that Luke is doing more than anyone ever thought he could. And I attribute that to two things. Number one, he's a fighter. He is his daddy's son. He never gives up and he fights. Number two, I believe this is, this is so important. The amount of people that have prayed for us through Pray for Luke on Facebook, the amount of people that, that share our story, uh, has made a difference. And, and for those of you that pray for Luke, for those of you that pray for us, uh, we're, we are internal, eternally grateful because I know it's made a difference uh, to Luke and it's made a difference in my life as well, Coach. Uh, Tim, I'm sitting here and, and just asking myself, have you, have you gotten, have you become mad at God on this? I mean, have you just, has there been a point where you just scream out and, and at him, you know, or... I, I mean, we all come to the place where we're broken, and and um, we think of the tragedies. We all, we're none, none of us get out of here alive, and none of us get out of here without having tragedies. Hopefully, never something like this, but do you get mad at God sometimes? I would say certainly I have questioned things. I have been frustrated. I have been angry, but my anger has, has been more... Um, just overall at the family, and I'm dealing with that. One thing I always tell the people I speak to is anger doesn't help anyone. 
and the anger that I have carried and festered for the last five years has really made an impact, a negative impact on Luke. So I have tried my best to be positive and to be hopeful because I know that's how Luke is going to get better. Um, my anger at times is displaced. My anger at times is worse at, let's say, two, three, four in the morning than it is at other times in the day. Um, but I, I, I can assure you that I have, I have worked extremely hard on not being angry. But what I do feel, though, sometimes is that the triggers that, I, that, that happen uh, when I see a baseball field, when I see a father and a son playing catch, when I see families together on vacations, those triggers put a knot in my stomach. They put a knot in my throat. So I would say instead of anger, I feel an extraordinary amount of sadness for Luke because Luke's friends, for the most part, um, we don't see them very often. We don't hear from them very often. For the most part, we don't get to do what other families get to do. And so the sadness that I feel is overwhelming. And sometimes it makes such an impact on me that I don't know that I can get out of bed. But uh, I'm dealing with that as best that I can. And uh, hopefully my message will, will allow all of you because everyone, as you mentioned, everybody deals with something. And, and no, no one's is more important or more impactful or more uh, shocking than anybody else's. It's what you're dealing with. And, yes, mine is tragic beyond belief. But I know this, that if I don't make a difference in other people's lives, if I don't try to help others, then I'm not helping myself. And that's why, really, I started the Team Luke Hope for Minds nonprofit. Yeah, and I I want to talk about that so much here in a minute. I, I'm thinking about something that I read over 20 years ago. I read this book called The Freedom of Forgiveness, and it said we never have to forget, but we must forgive in order to have freedom. And I, I've never forgotten that. The people who you feel wrong you during your lifetime or things that happen to you, I, I, and I don't know. I mean, there's no way I can identify other than all of us have, who have children, just it's the worst nightmare ever uh, that you've gone through. But The Freedom of Forgiveness was the name of the book to people out there. And I, I can remember so much uh, how, how much that helped me. Said you never have to forget, and you always remember. But the forgive freedom of forgiveness is incredible. And I, I know the broken spirit of people who have come to know God, and things uh, that the first thing that I know they always have to do is go uh, go out and 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 forgive the people who have have wronged them. But I'm not trying to go anywhere with that, Tim. Other than just it came to my mind. Uh, well, I, I wanted to ask. Coach, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, go ahead. you're exactly right, and I'm actually going to go look for that book because it, it 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 does hit me in waves. Sometimes I'll see the family, and and it hits me in a different way. But ironically, yesterday, three of Luke's friends came over to see Luke from a distance outside, and one of those boys was the boy that was told never to let anyone drive the golf cart, and for some reason. And the only day he allowed Luke to drive it that day. Um, but when I saw him yesterday, I didn't have that same bitterness and, because I know it was an accident. Now, there is a difference sometimes between accidents and negligence. And what I would like to share with everybody is that golf carts, souped up, modified, heavier, faster, taller golf carts are dangerous. And we all know all over the country, they're everywhere. Back in the day, I used to ride my bike or walk. Today, people ride a golf cart to another person's house. 
And the thing is, it's not just the golf cart that's dangerous that can tip over, but it's also the inability to stop at stop signs or see other cars. And, and I hear stories every day. Last month, a, a little girl was thrown from a golf cart. She suffered a massive brain bleed, and she is recovering at home in San Antonio. I hear these stories regularly, and, and I just want you to know that, that you're absolutely right on forgiveness, and there's no question that I'm, I'm better today than I was five years ago. I can assure you of that. It, it is amazing how, too, it's almost like in the middle of the night, you know, when we're trying to rest, when we're with with we're trying to go into a subconscious place it's almost like that's when the attacks come to or the the feelings that they're they're no rational thing to them and it's tormenting and you know the other side of that is uh, the people i've heard in my life i tell people you never want to have to uh you know try to prove that you've been better than somebody else because you never want I'm glad I don't have to pay for all of the bad things I've done or any of us have done but accepting forgiveness is a really really hard thing too um you know and people have to carry stuff with them and I think that's the beautiful thing about knowing God and the beautiful thing that if we didn't have God in our lives, your book, by the way, it's in God's hands. I want you to, folks, I mean, I, I can't tell you the emotions this brought out, and I am so, so happy that I've read this. This this took a lot on my part to read. I have six children, Tim, and I love mm-hmm. every every one of them, and I, you know, my brothers and sisters and our loved ones, you know, we all have to go through things, but you know, it, it. This was very hard to read because I knew what was going to be in it. I knew the heart wrenching stuff. I had to go out in the backyard and sit in the in the chair out out in the backyard, you know, and things. Yeah. And because I know you and I know how passionate, I I don't know if there is a more passionate person. I worked down I, on your bio here. I put I put down truly one who had always worked for mastery before he works for success, you know, which I always preach that on this program, the key to success in all of us, we, we, we've gone so screwy with chasing stuff and chasing success and chasing money. And I always say those are the rhinestones of life, the real diamonds of life. Tim Siegel, you have, I, I always believed that you were a small guy. I mean, why were you, 5'10"? <laughs> yeah. But, no, but you wish. were, your heart was about... <laughs> Your five, your your heart was five twelve or six twelve, you know. I mean, you know, but but it, you were always working for mastery, trying to make things better, and your your lifelong friends are a tribute to that. I mean, your your life has been passionate, and you've shared the passion, you know, and uh, you know we've already gotten a tremendous tremendous out of a lot out of this. What I'd like to do is uh, I, the commercial we're going to do today, I always go to the little commercial here, and what we're going to do, though, is I'm going to have you do it and just tell everybody where, um, you know, where where on the website to go and everything, and I'm going to start the second part of this program off by reading this text that you sent out, uh, you know, to everybody yesterday. Okay, so we're going to start out here. Let me. I, I got to do this this thing. I'm on this switchboard, Tim. You'd laugh at me. Now okay. I'm old school, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I know you're I up on all this. Well, you're sort you're sort of old school, but we we got to we got to we got to go to it here, and then I'll 
I'll bring you in, but I want you to tell everybody about it. This is Coach Chuck Creasy at American Tennis. And it's Coach Chuck Creasy, and we're not going to talk about anything else today except uh, Tim Siegel. Would you please talk to us about how to um, your websites and how to – I put on the intro that's going to go out everywhere. Uh, your your webs, your emails to Tim at, at teamlukehopeforminds.org, and I put that out there for everybody. But you, could you tell everybody how to get the information and what's out there? And then when I start the second part, I, I want to bring in and, and you to talk about things like Drew Brees coming <laughs> to see Luke, you know, and Patrick Mahomes okay. come to see Luke. And the song that, you know, my boy, come on, man, <laughs> if there's much better than that, I don't know what it would be. But go go ahead, and then we'll start the second half of the program. Go ahead, Tim. TeamLukeHopeForMinds.org is our website, and we have all kinds of information about, our, uh, about what we do, our mission, Supporting children after brain injuries, we've helped families all over the country, given out over half a million dollars to families in 23 different states. We have merchandise, bracelets, clothing. I also have a book called It's in God's Hands, and that book is available on Amazon. So hopefully you guys will all go to that website, and you can also follow Luke's story on Pray for Luke Siegel on Facebook and Luke.Siegel on Instagram. Okay, Luke.Siegel, S. I E G E L folks S I E G E L okay and then pray for Luke right that's correct is on the facebook okay pray for luke dot and then um the website again is is uh team luke, team luke. at team at luke hopeforminds.org all one word for, team luke hopeforminds.org m i d n s F. No, excuse me. M I N D S. Sorry there. That's Sorry. M I M I N D S dot org. But um, anyhow, listen, Tim. Um, what I want to do, I'd like to start out the second half of this thing here. I've got to find this here. But I. So you sent this out yesterday, and, and pretty pretty dang powerful. You know, the book, the book, the thing is also you. That's pretty interesting that you might talk about is how you connected with Hope for Minds because that was a blessing in itself. But also the word you use in the book over and over and over again is impact, impact, and how you know and how you've impact. But you, your your thing that you sent out is just beautiful because because of you we have been blessed with so many incredible nurses, therapists, and doctors. Because of you, fathers and sons have better relationship. You know, so many dads have told told me this. Because of you, we met, got to meet Drew Brees, Elvis Andrus, and so many famous other athletes. Because of you, Patrick Mahomes has worn his special team Luke bracelet at every football game. Because of you, golf court safety awareness and by the way, I'm sure you're already saving lives and saving problems here. I, in my neighborhood, I see these golf carts flying around. I say, what in the world are those people thinking? All the time I, I think about it. Because of you, I'm in the best shape I've ever been. I don't want to go through all this. But, but you sound, sound like you put on a middle-aged 15 
for 20. You were always cut, you know, but uh, it sounds like you're getting back in shape. Because of you, I, uh, I have so many wonderful people to continue praying for. Because of you, thousands of people are inspired by you. Because of you, you've shown what it means to fight and to never give up. Because of you, when I'm sprinting, I pushed a little bit harder just because of you. When people see the number three, they're thinking of you. See, my son's my son's favorite number is four. He asked me this morning as I walked out, Papa, he said, Papa, what's the three for? I said, Son, that's his favorite number. You know, just like yours is for. That's right. The best That's part right. of the day is when we talk together because of you, your family, because and because of you. So the impact of our lives will all be gone. None of us are going to get out of here alive. Some people live a famous life and impact no one. Other people impact thousands. I'd like for you, to, if you could just start out, talk about the Hope for Minds just a little bit. And then I want to, I'd like to go to where you can sort of relate and connect why all you parents out there to listen to the program tennis is the best and most important sport you could ever play in your life there's nothing that teaches you something like tennis does and i'd like to to go there with a little bit so people will keep their kids in tennis can you talk for hope for minds first and then go where would you like wherever you'd like to tim sure my um original plan was starting the team luke foundation (laughs) But I had gotten a phone call six months later from a woman in Austin who had a similar nonprofit called Hope for Minds. Uh, she was helping a family whose child had suffered a near-fatal drowning. We've helped families with near-fatal drownings and car accidents and accidents like my son's and accidents at home. And so we got together the very next day in Austin, and we decided to merge to form Team Luke Hope for Minds. And every single week, we get applications. We get families that need our help. I have been talking to uh, moms uh, and dads over the last two or three weeks. We have support groups. We offer education. We do a lot of things uh, for families as well, of course, as give financial support. And, and, you know, what this has done over the last couple of years is it's powerful to be able to speak to a father going through what I have gone through and what I'm continuing to go through. But it also gives people hope. And you mentioned the word impact. I'll never forget this. I told my wife about a month before the accident, I said, you know what? Luke is going to make an impact on, on more people than you ever realized because I watch him with other children, and I know he's going to make an impact. The other ironic thing is that I told my athletic, my athletic director that I, I was going to resign because I want to make a bigger impact on more than just 10 people a year. And so I guess both have come true. It's not the impact that I was hoping, but I do feel that when I'm walking around in Lubbock, Texas, and there's, no, there's never a time where I've been in Lubbock where someone hasn't come up to me and said, hey, you're Luke's dad, or I'm praying for Luke, or Luke has changed my life, or my son is now praying. And so I understand because of Facebook and social media the impact that Luke and I have had on others, and for that I'm grateful, and for that that does give me comfort. But I was also going to mention that, that Luke and I are the biggest sports fans in the history of sports. And Luke and I had a deal that we were going to go see the New Orleans Saints play in the Superdome every single year for the rest of our lives because I'm from New Orleans. Well, we made it to three games, and then, unfortunately, Luke had his accident. But in the last six years, we've gone to eight games, and Luke has now become sort of a hero to the Saints players, all because of Drew Brees. Drew talks to Luke. Drew has... Um, come to Lubbock to do a fundraiser for us. 
Luke is, Drew is Luke's hero. And the amazing thing about, about Drew Brees is that he comes to Luke. He talks to Luke, to Luke's friend who's handed the ball to Luke. He has given Luke the game ball from one of the games. He keeps in touch with Luke and me regularly. And Patrick Mahomes, former Red Raider, who, of course, is now the Chiefs quarterback, has never played a football game without wearing the Team Luke Hope for Minds bracelet. And, of course, Elvis Andrews, Texas Rangers shortstop, is Luke's favorite player. He just made an announcement uh, a couple of uh, days ago that he is donating $100 to Team Luke Hope for Minds for every hit he gets. And, and it goes on and on and on. We've met so many. But in the world of tennis, our close-knit family, it has been even more impactful. Um, Andre Agassi came to Lubbock, excuse me, came to Arkansas to do an event. John Isner has been an amazing ambassador and supporter of our, of our nonprofit. Andy Roddick came. Nick Boliteri came. Sam Query was going to be there this year, uh, but it was canceled. And, of course, and also Danielle Collins. But, but so many tennis players, so many tennis coaches have reached out to me, and that means so much to me because tennis is a sport that I learned – I guess you could say that tennis prepared me for what I'm going through right now. Being down 4-1 in the third set, two breaks, losing a heartbreaker to Texas when I was coaching at Texas Tech. Those, those what I would call uh, heartbreakers, uh, really weren't. Those devastating losses really weren't as devastating as what I'm going through now. But tennis and the work that you put in, the fight that you have to have as an individual, and then also when you're in a team sport, uh, you're out there on your own on an island. And I fought and I considered myself to be someone not as athletic, not as talented, certainly not as tall and strong as others. So I always felt like I had to do more than others to get by. And being a professional athlete and, and playing the Grand Slams and competing against Edberg and Lendl and Noah and McEnroe and all those guys, I believe in my heart of hearts that playing the sport, coaching the sport, has allowed me to prepare for the greatest coaching that I'll ever do, and that's coaching Team Luke Hope for Minds. That's fantastic, fantastic. Something came to mind when you're talking about this, and I keep thinking about your faith and your strength. You you write in your book about God things, and you write about two or three things that happened to you where you're at the end of your rope, and it was just almost like an angel came out of nowhere had said something. Could you share those? Because, you know, uh, Tim, again, you know, going back to God and God allowing us to handle things like this and how how much you you must just be upset, but at the same time thankful for this. Could you share those God things you talked about in your book? Those God things really hit me hard, and, and I think they've happened to me so often people that I've met I, I this isn't even in the book but this just I just came to me um, when I was uh, a month ago Luke was in the hospital having a surgery and one of the nurses who had never met Luke but followed Luke saw my van in the back of my van it has team Luke Cope for Minds she prayed to God that she would meet Luke that particular day she was transferred to our floor she's never been on that floor she met Luke, became Luke's nurse that day because she was transferred. Those kinds of things I hear all the time. But back in those days when I was struggling, really struggling, 
19 days after the accident. I'm a huge music fan as well as a sports fan, and I'm probably the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan in the world. As a matter of fact, I would love to meet him one day because I want to tell him that in some ways his music has saved my life. But I had no, no, absolutely no desire to listen to music. Happy songs, sad songs, you name it. And I remember 19 days after the accident, I went home to get some things to go back to the hospital. And as I was pulling out of the driveway, something hit me. And I parked my car, I stopped in the driveway, and I felt this urge to turn on the radio. And I kept fighting it. I was probably there for 10 minutes. Finally, I turned on the radio, and one of Bruce Springsteen's least popular songs came on. And the name of that song was called Counting on a Miracle. I sat there after listening to that song. I couldn't move. I couldn't believe what I had heard because I've heard that song only one other time in five years. The second thing, I was driving around Lubbock, Texas in August, 13 months after the accident. And I was driving around and driving around aimlessly. I didn't know how long I was driving or where I was going. But I ended up at a place called Market Street, which is a grocery store a half a mile from where the accident was. And I never wanted to be on that street. For some reason, that's where I was. But I made it a point to park far away from everybody. I didn't want anyone to come up to me. I didn't want to be seen. I had my head down on the steering wheel, and all of a sudden I'm startled when there's a knock on the window, on the windshield, and this man says to me, hey, I'm praying for you one foot in front of the other, and he walked away. And that motto, that cliche, one foot in front of the other, has now become my motto. When I see someone, they come up to me and say, hey, one foot in front of the other. And I tell people to put one foot in front of the other. other. I tell people that sometimes I struggle. I tell people that sometimes I pray, Luke, hopefully one day we'll be able to put one foot in front of the other. And the last one, Coach, is probably the most impactful when it comes to God. And that is I was at an arena in Arlington, Texas, and I was sitting next to Luke, who was in his wheelchair. And I don't think I've ever had anyone walk right past us without that person acknowledging our presence, whether it's a smile, a sympathetic hello, a, an occasional, can I pray for you? I've even had people say, can I pray for your son? But this woman walked right past us with her head down. And five feet after she walked past us, she turned and she stopped. And she said, hey, you were chosen for this. And she walked away. And what was amazing about that is both individuals never told me their name. They never asked about Luke. But those two people have made quite the impact on me. And when I wrote about that on our Pray for Luke site, I had so many people respond by saying, yes, you were. You were chosen for this. God chose you for this. You were a tennis player. You were a coach. He prepared you for the greatest coaching challenge of your life. And I believe that. Oh my, oh my, what a story. I I um <clears throat> you know, my my father preached to us, you know, a few things back that generation. He was a World War Two guy and we had six kids and he went back to school on the GI Bill when he he didn't get out till he was about thirty years old and he was a high school teacher and he didn't say all that much, but he, he used to always say, God, family, job. God, family, job and you'll be okay. You say, with God, all things are possible. Without God, nothing is possible. But, I mean, that was the, the, the those things are so impacting, you know. And, uh, you know, what I, I wanted to 
bring up this point too. My, the the probably the greatest saying I've ever heard was, you know, the the world promises you buckets of rhinestone, but God gives you a chance to make one diamond with your life. But but what you said about you were chosen for this, uh, you know, back even when you were a junior junior player and a young, you know, and so driven and everything, without all those reps of not giving up, without all of those things, yes, you wouldn't have been able to do this. And, and uh, you know, you might be one of the few people out there that I've ever heard been able to do so much like this, and I'm hoping. But I wanted to ask you this, um, and I, I know on the program here before I've talked about relationships and how our kids, um, you know, with the cell phones and everything, they're getting very hardened and very numb to being able to being able to open up their heart and to be passionate about things, but mainly about relationships. So I have this thing that I tell kids, even my players, Tim, I'd say, you know, cliches, then facts, then opinions, then feelings, and needs. Everyone operates at cliches and facts on the surface. Now, what's going on? Not much. Hey, you know, uh, <clears throat> sit and won that football game, or hey, you know, in facts, wait, what happened there? Opinions. Now we're even shying away from opinions where we don't even have discussions. Our kids don't know how to have discussions. But the last two of those are feelings and needs. And I always used to just say only your loved ones. Now, here's my point. I think there's layers of insulation of fear that everybody has. Even listen to this program today. You folks that are hanging on there and listening to this for the whole program, God bless you. But uh, I know that as I've read the book, as I've made myself get more involved in the thinking, you know, of all these things, I know that you gain strength. But the needs that we have, your your third thing that that you have brought up about leaning on friends and parents and siblings, leaning on and and until somebody's experienced the same thing, have you found this, Tim? That you've found so many people that experience the same thing, they can give you comfort and you can give them comfort because they've experienced that depth. Can you talk about Absolutely. that briefly? Yes. And matter of fact, I'm on three different Facebook groups, one an anoxic injury group, another basically three groups that deal with brain injuries. And I don't think anyone in the world can understand how many children have had brain injuries. And unfortunately, Luke's injury, anoxic, is much more damaging than a traumatic brain injury. But I can tell you that when we're on these support groups online or when I'm talking to families, the comfort that we feel because we're not alone, that's number one. The also the comfort knowing that other people have made improvements. I've had, would you believe that I had a father a couple weeks ago tell me that the doctors told him to pull the plug on the child and I told this father, based on my experience, that we were told the same thing and that we kept going. And now that child is doing things that the doctors never expected. Because the one thing is the greatest neurosurgeon in the world doesn't really know what the brain can do. The brain absolutely can heal. And although we are five years into this, I know Luke is going to continue to make improvements because of love, because of prayer, and because of hard work. And Luke will do therapies, and he'll get on this machine called the Locomat. It's a machine, a robotic machine that does the walking for Luke. And he's on that machine, and he is working hard. He's on it for 40 minutes, 
and, and you can tell he's exhausted, but he is continuing to go. And one thing that I can tell you that as fathers and mothers that are listening is that we are all programmed to believe that we are only there to teach our children. But what I've learned is that Luke has taught me. My daughters have learned a lot. They've learned compassion. They've learned patience. They've learned a lot of things because they've had to suffer through this. But Luke has taught me so much more than I could ever have taught him. And that, I think, is the one beauty in this because I have learned uh, his determination. I've learned uh, the pain that he's gone through. But when I see Luke smile, when I see Luke move his tongue, when I ask him, do you want to watch the Saints game? That's when I know that Luke understands. And that's when I know that Luke has taught me so much because I have learned to take things one, one day at a time. I have learned to be patient. I've learned actually to sit still for longer than I ever thought I could. And so there are things that, that our children can teach us if we just give them the chance. I remember when I was coaching, you know, I couldn't wait to get home because I wanted to be around my children all the time. And ultimately, that's why I got out of coaching to be around my children. And I guess the, the, the saddest irony is that, unfortunately, when the injury happened, I've, I've been around my, my girls a lot less because of Luke. But I also know that I value every single second that I get with my children because the, this accident happened five years ago. And before you know it, our children are out of high school. And so um, all I can do is, is, is do the best I can every day and, and, and ask all of you to go to teamlukehelperminds.org, to go to Pray for Luke Siegel on Facebook. And more than anything, let people know. Spread awareness about what we're doing and what I'm doing, and, and hopefully we can make a difference in, in some of your friends' lives. Tim, the, the first respond the nurses, the doctors, the first responders, all of these people, I always used to say, how in the world can they do what they do? And, um, or, or, you know, I always used to think, well, they're just hardened to it. They just get used to it. They've just seen stuff so many times. But every person you've described that has helped Luke, helped your family, they genuinely go to a depth that we're not comfortable usually going to or most people run from or they're afraid of or but it's the feelings and needs part there. Is there anything – I mean, is it just through years of doing it? Or are these just special people? I mean, or, I mean, can you talk about that, that a little bit sure, just briefly? Sure. I, what I've learned is that therapists, their knowledge and their experience, yes, those are important, obviously, to teach Luke what to do. And, but honestly, what's, what is much more important from therapists and nurses is their ability to communicate. They, their relationships that they've developed with Luke, they know Luke loves Drew Brees. They know Luke loves the Saints. And they know that Luke wants to talk about Ed Sheeran uh, as opposed to Bruce Springsteen. And so when you get to know and, and really care about the person, that's when you see improvements. So these therapists are absolutely phenomenal, what they do every single day. Because it's a physical job, it's an emotional job, and when you pour yourself into something like that, you see the difference. And I've gotten to know so many nurses, and they've shared their stories with me, and, and it's been impactful for them as well as for me. So the respect I have for nurses and therapists and doctors is absolutely off the charts. I, um, I, I, I am amazed, too. I, I mean, and it, it is 
I think I mentioned to you, to, to everybody out there who hesitates ministering to somebody, and it goes to even when somebody loses their job, I, we all, 23 years for you, I, this is year 42 for me actually in college mm-hmm. coaching, I'm, and uh, we've seen a lot of coaches fired or have hardships or something, and it was almost like people would turn and walk the other way when they're in the hall and things they didn't know how to be compassionate. People have hard times with their families, they have hard times with their jobs. But I, I think I mentioned to you, you remember every person who ministers to you and who is is tries to care for you when you're down. Every person and and uh, it's it's I think it's something we can practice. I think it's something no we doubt. can practice. No doubt. And and and, yeah. and I th- there, there there was an old and I I don't want to keep this short because we got about seven minutes or something. But there was an old um, movie uh, years ago called Magnificent Obsession. And and the long story short is this guy who is a playboy and sort of a jerk ends up understanding that paying it forward, the only way you can ever be happy by giving things to other people and then never letting them know the source, never letting them know the source. I mean, you know, that's a tough one a lot of times. But these nurses, these doctors, our first responders, every, every all of these people who are servants, servants to others, you know, it's just it's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Tim and, well, and, uh, what, and what I've learned, Coach, you're 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 right on with that. And when what I've learned is that when sometimes I hear things like I didn't know what to say, or I didn't know how to feel, a simple text message, "How are you?" or "I'm thinking about Luke today," that goes a long way. And what I've learned through these five years is that I've had some friends that have gone away because they didn't know what to say, and maybe deep down they weren't as close of friends as I thought. But now. Amazingly, some of my closest friends are people I didn't even know until the accident happened because you see how much they genuinely care about Luke and about others. And, uh, and really it goes towards me as well. For the longest time, I was in a bubble. I was focused just on me and just on Luke. And now when I reach out to others, it's made a difference. I'm not waiting for others to reach out to me. I'm reaching out to them. And, and, and the last thing I will say is this, that – Helping others has helped me get through this. When I get a phone call from a mom whose four-year-old was in the backyard and a tree branch fell on her head, and she now has a traumatic brain injury, and they are so excited to hear from me and so appreciative and grateful to hear from me, that is powerful beyond words, and I am, I am so grateful to be able to help others because what's happening is while I'm helping others, I'm helping myself get through this to give myself hope while I'm giving them hope. One of the God things, I think, you know, you sign your book and then you put Luke 418. Now, Luke's birthday is April 18th. But could you talk just briefly about that, too? Of course, I went to my Bible and and looked it up, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's verse there out of St. Luke. Well, Yes. Well, and let me tell you this, Coach. I was in the hospital, and for some reason I was in the hospital the first 40 days, and I thought, I'm just going to see what Luke 418 says. And so I signed my book, Luke 418, because to me there is not a verse in the Bible that is more appropriate. And basically to paraphrase, 
it says that God has anointed me to spread good to the poor. So think about that. God has chosen Luke to spread good to those who need to hear it. God has chosen Luke to impact others. And, and when I read that, I said to myself, my goodness. And, and now I sign that, and people ask me every day, and, and I make sure everyone knows on Luke on, on April 18th that Luke 4.18 is a Bible verse of all Bible verses impacting others because of Luke. Gosh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Tim, we got about two minutes. What's what's next? What what is your plan? Do you have a plan? Do you just go day to day? I know you're coaching high school tennis now. You're in and, and you're still well, giving to other people, but what, what what next? What's 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 your 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 thoughts, your plan? Well, I'm doing this hundred percent. I'm no longer coaching. Um, I couldn't do that. So I'm just focusing on Team Luke Hope for Minds. We have events planned, of course, next year. We do have our pediatric brain injury conference virtually this year, but we have four or five events, uh, tennis events and golf events and, and a big event. We had Dick Vitale here last year, hoping to have another big name again this year. Our mission is to help others, and every single day we have families that need our help. And that half a million dollars that we have given out, we need to continue to raise. And July is not quite over yet, and we have a, uh, a fundraiser called Christmas in July. And you can go to the website, or you can just simply go to your phone and put in the word July, and then 76278, and you could donate on the spot. So July. Say that again, July what? July 76278. Or you can go to the website, teamlukeopraminds.org, and donate to Team Luke Hope for Minds. Okay. Okay. Now, um, I, listen, I, there's not much more that I can ask you or not much more to say. Um, there, the, the best message that you can give is the destiny that you've had probably your whole life it's all been said and you were you were meant for this moment and i don't know what god has in store for you and or for any of us but i i heard a great coach one time said god never says oops you know like i've made a mistake here you know so uh, you you definitely will be in my family's prayers and everybody out there please contribute you know to uh you know, Team Luke and Hope for Minds, please, please help. And, uh, you know, there's not much else I can say. And I'm, I'm just, I look forward to times again to where we can talk about different stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll keep praying for Luke's recovery as God wants it. And then for your family, too, for your three wonderful daughters and your wife that, that have gone through this as well, Tim. Well, thank you, know, you Coach. So I'm, and, I'm just... And, um, I'm, I really, I really appreciate it. And if, and if people go to Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook, you can watch what Luke's doing on video. And maybe that particular day, Luke can give that person or give you a different attitude, a new mindset, a new frame of mind, and some added strength. And so I encourage everyone to go there and then also share everything that I, that I put on Facebook so that more people can be aware of what we're doing. But, Coach, it's been a pleasure, and, and thank you so much for having okay. me on today. God, God bless you, Tim, and, 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 and the same here. Folks, And we're about out of time. I just wanted to thank you and, and go there. Please help and support Team Luke. 
and Hope for Minds, M-I-N-D-S. And, and God bless uh, the Siegel family. And uh, you've just heard from a great, great man who God has called for this moment. And, uh, you know, um, just folks, I, I don't know what else I can say. I always end with you're always in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We will see you next week. This is Simplify that too.